Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. everybody welcome to guys at a mic show talkzone.com coming at you midweek wednesday here in the fine city of chicago hope everybody's having an outstanding day we much appreciate your uh, take a little bit of time out to join us in the two guys and a mic show we got lots of sports to talk about as per always we will jump off the sports page got a special guest in studio as well more fun to come and of course the outstanding soon to be award-winning music of the talkzone.com, courtesy of our producer extraordinaire, Mr. David Olson. Enjoy for the next eight seconds. All right, thank you very much. Midweek Wednesday, we'll start uh, taking a sneak peek ahead of some of the football action over the weekend. We also got to check in with baseball and a wild card races as per always those people uh viewing in on our live webcast are noticing a somewhat strange face in the studio no that is not the big dog joe redwanski i know the the weather has been rough on the guy and i know uh you know times can be tough at 39 years old but that's not the big dog we're going to introduce this gentleman in a second but first let me introduce the big dog via the telecommunicative phone lines out in aurora illinois big dog how are you uh, doing absolutely fantastic, Coach. Uh, absolutely beautiful day out. And, oh, uh, man. So, you know, this is one, one of the last days people can get out on the river. Yes. I want you to get your kids out of school and get them to 950 North Kingsbury today at 530 so you can get them uh, out on the river today. Coach. Forget about 530. I'm, I may get them out of school at lunchtime. Why I don't mean, you do it? School is overrated. You, the you, world is full of educated derelicts. I always once said never let school get in the way of your education. I'm trying to do more of a be more of a derelict, to be quite honest with you, lately, Coach. And speaking of education, <laughs> yes, the, the person sitting across from you right here yep. wasn't one of my teachers in yes. high school, but he was a teacher at Downers Grove North while I was there. An amazing coincidence. Let me introduce this gentleman here, author extraordinaire, Terry Cox in the studio. Terry, great to have you with us today. Very nice to be here. Absolutely. And uh, you've got a book out called Deadly Mistakes, a, basically a book on uh, featuring obituaries, right? It's a book my brother and I wrote about the humor we find in obituaries, which some people might find a little ghoulish, but uh, you can find humor anywhere. Threw me for a little bit of loop, big dog, because when I came in, you told me Terry was coming in the studio today, very excited. You know, you didn't tell me, by the way, his lovely wife, Pat, was coming in the studio. Otherwise, you know, I would have decked out a little bit more. you got to let me know the, the details. Well, what, what that meant, instead of, like, uh, sweatpants, you would wear, like, jogging pants. Well, you know. Wearing pants would have been a good start, <laughs> let alone. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was expecting, I, I came in with this whole, you know, I love obituaries for the whole emotional, you know, you read some of the stories and, oh, my goodness, some of the deeply touching emotional. So I was kind of 
prepared for that kind of thing. And then I see the book is about the humor. Of course, you know I love humor as well. But it's about some of the funny things, some of the humorous things we see in obituaries. But let's let's go back a step. Just to how you even came in here before we start pumping the book, Terry, and Joel already alluded to it. So you were a teacher at the same school, but you never knew Joel. You met him no. through, the, the, through the kayak trip. Right. My daughter bought me the trip for a Father's Day gift. Okay. And Joel and I just happened to get talk, uh, started talking when we were kayaking and uh, found out he went to North, found out he was doing this, and then found out he had a co-host that liked obituaries. So. <laughs> Well, that's 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 connecting the dots a little bit. Yeah, that's that's right to the point. I like that. Now, even though you didn't have him for a teacher, big dog, do you remember uh, Mr. Cox? Yeah, believe it or not, I have a pretty decent memory coach. So, and it, it's funny now, he, uh, Mr. Cox, which I'm going to call him now, I'm going to talk about him as a teacher, was a history teacher, U.S. Okay. history teacher. But I ended up with Pete Ventrilli, who was my football coach. Yeah, and all and like everybody I looked on the football team, we all happened to have Pete Ventrilli as our U.S. history teacher. So I kind of put two and two together and figured out the football players ended up in, in our football coach's history class. And by the way, Coach, I studied pretty hard for that particular class. I hope so. Idea. Yeah, well, the little bit you've told me about Coach Ventrilli, he would not be one to let you off easy uh, in the football field or in the academic recess as well. Well, definitely not on the football field. You cannot do anything oh. wrong. I'll promise you that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, all of a sudden, it sounds like my Tulane University uh, physical education class that I, you know, anatomy and physiology where all the football players all yeah. entered the class, you know, first semester, all the football guys, all the, not even not, not basketball, it's pretty much football. Tons of them were in the class day one, you know, introducing, they're talking to each other, yeah. and then I never saw them the rest of the semester. Showed up for day one, came back second semester after uh, Christmas break. For anatomy and physiology, whatever it was, kinesiology, 002, the follow-up course. Mm-hmm. And there they are. They're all in. First day of class. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Nice to see you. So I'm well, not quite sure that happened, but apparently you could relate to it back in your uh, Downers Grove North days, huh? Well, uh, well, all I can say, no, not at all. All I can say is me just kidding around saying he was much tougher on the football field than as, as, as a teacher okay. coach. I was, I was just, I will not let you impugn his character whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in the... Years I've been doing this show, I don't think I've impugned too much, Big Dog. Probably no more than two or three times I've impugned over the years. I'm quite proud of my lack of impugning, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Terry, I hope I didn't insult you because I took some some semi-cheap shots at the field of education, which was your field. So I, I apologize if I did that. But just real quick uh, before we get into the book and the, and the uh, kayaking tours and stuff, your view on current state of education and how we're teaching kids today in junior high and high school i know that's a loaded question but well i've been away for a while uh fortunately i got away before a lot of this no child left behind came in and we became test yes obsessed all i can talk about is i now live in nevada mm-hmm. and uh, the schools are just beyond abysmal it's horrible uh nobody seems to take much interest they're underfunded Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, our governor in the last his initial budget proposal wanted to cut funding to the universities, the two universities, by fifty percent, mm-hmm. and the junior colleges by thirty-five. And they reached a compromise eventually, and he only ended up cutting it about thirty-some percent, and that was viewed as a big compromise. And they they, they were underfunded to start with, and uh, the public schools out there they're, they're 
again, it's beyond sad. I think funding is is one part of it, but I, I, I see I even go more epithelial, and I just think the way we're teaching kids today, and I don't, we can't get too deep into it here, one hour show, but um, I just think the school system that's set up today, i.e., show up to school, say the Pledge of Allegiance, Social studies class, 45 minutes, bell rings. Over to math class, 45 minutes, bell rings. You know, God forbid they actually have a PE class these days, and like they're cutting that, that kind of stuff out. You know, on to your next class, go home, you do your homework. I just don't think that kind of regimented um, learning system, if you will, is geared for today's modern minds, if you will. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah, it does. And before and before I leave PE, just to let you know, kids are way too fat nowadays to actually exercise. Coach, it'd be really bad for them. It could cause them a heart attack or something. Yeah. Okay. So that's first. And yeah, foremost. yeah. I tell you what, if I was designing a school, big dog, even PE, you know, the way it is now, that would be a separate class. I'd have thirty to forty-five minutes a day where we're going to go cardiovascular. I mean, I mean, exercise, so that every kid going through my school is going to get forty-five minutes of workout a day. Well, they're, they're building these schools so massive now. Just walking from class to class is, a, is an exercise in between now. You, I don't know. I, I have obviously I don't have any children that have, are going to high school, so I, I couldn't really answer that question. But actually, one emailer a couple of weeks ago said you do, but we'll talk about that off the air. That's in question. Community School <laughs> District 99 here in Illinois, where, where I went to school at Downers Grove North and Downers Grove South. These, these schools are so spectacular, Coach. Like when I hear about when I hear kids. Don't even know that there's 50 states, stuff like that. And like when I would work at Nike Town and talk to these kids that worked in a stock room that had like public, Chicago public high school education. And these kids would be pretty sharp, pretty knowledgeable about the way to live their life. But just talking to them about what they learned in school, they learned nothing. So it's like, it's just a, like we live 15 miles apart, but they're mm-hmm. going to Chicago public schools as opposed to me going to Downers North. Mm-hmm. Huge difference. Yeah. So it's just, just basic common sense stuff, the knowledge that kids should have. Well, like a, a lot of some people have practical street smarts, you know, and actually yep. you can tell they're smart, and they probably could have learned something if they went to a Downers Grove North as opposed mm-hmm. to a Las Vegas school or a Chicago school, which, you know, pretty pathetic right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and some of the true heroes, I think, are the ones, uh, uh, you know, teaching in some of those schools that are trying to overcome the odds and do a great job. But, uh, Terry, when did you retire from teaching at DGN? I retired in June of '02. Okay. One thing Joel's alluding to there, when he's talking about the school he went to, uh, the staff was older. People had been there 20. It wasn't uncommon to see people there 30 years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these schools now, with with this test obsession and the underfunding, uh, a lot of good young people get discouraged early and say, I'm going to try something else. Teachers, you're talking about? Uh, yeah, they, they'll, they'll leave. They'll leave the education and uh-huh. say, "Well, I'll I'll do yeah. something else." Yeah. Yeah. And when I was at North, when I started at North, there were 18 of us that came in as new teachers, and only one did not stay. was Was not there when I retired, mm-hmm. and he had wow. gone elsewhere. He'd gone to another school. We're not seeing that kind of longevity. No, you're not of seeing that, now. and I don't think mm-hmm. you will see it. Interesting. By the way, anybody out there you want to check in? Phone lines are open. Author extraordinaire and ex high school teacher Terry Cox in the studio. The big dog checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines. The coach with you. Our phone lines are open. 888-463-674. And we'll get to some sports in just a second. We're jumping off the sports page midweek Wednesday. Why not? Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Our phone number. You want to email in? You can do it at Mike 
Two Guys at AOL.com. M-I-C and the number two. Mike, Two Guys, AOL.com. All right, well, you know, it's a, it's a huge problem to fix, but I, I do think the educational system needs a uh, not a minor change, but a major change in the whole test aversion thing, Terry. I completely agree with you. you got great creative teachers who might want to try doing some different, unique things, outside-the-box things, but in the current state of where the teachers are graded and schools are graded, so the principal's got to put pressure on the teachers. If they do that, then the test scores go down and they, they look bad and or lose their job. So it's it's kind of a uh, educational catch-22. Oh, very definitely, very definitely. Hmm. Big dog, I think you'd be a good teacher. You would well, definitely be outside the box. You know, I, I've realized lately that the stuff that I do, the jobs that I'm good at, yep. uh, maybe that would be good because plus a teacher will, if I didn't have to work eight hours straight, like during the eight hours, you can actually like teach like two classes in a row, mm-hmm. have like an hour off, get your next class ready. See, I could do that. I can't work eight hours straight. It's impossible for me, coach. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I have, I don't have the capacity mentally or the, I have the work ethic, just not the brain type. Well, but we'd, we'd cater the, you see, if I were the principal, I'd cater the class to your, uh, to your strengths. I'd call it oh. like freelance 001. Okay. And, and I would have a lot of kids that were like six foot one, 225 pounds no, that wore like the number 78 in my class. Come on now. Stop it. Okay. You, you would be more than a, more than a coach. You would be a fine educator as well. Well, that, that, that boat has long sailed, coach. I better stick with the one that I'm on right now. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, real quick. Now you got to relate the story of, uh, uh Terry, we've, we've, on the show, part of the shtick here, part of what we talk about is the big dog, uh, and his many careers that he's had over the eight to ten years I've been working with him. I think we're on number 92, but this one looks pretty good now as the historical tour guide for waterriders.com via the kayak. So I've talked about, I want to hear from a third person who took the tour, uh, describe a little bit how Joel was in the beginning, some of his, um, tour guide leadership, if you will. Well, <clears throat> In a word, enthusiastic. It was obvious he loved what he was doing. It was obvious he was very knowledgeable. And it was obvious he loved talking to people about the history of Chicago. All those don't surprise me, Big. The one that shocked me is obviously very knowledgeable. (laughs) Wow. Well, uh, yeah, I just think the stuff up as we as we go along. Oh yeah, Fort Dearborn, no, eighteen oh three. Yeah, but you got you got Terry, a history and social studies teacher. He's giving you the ultimate compliment here. I I, I really do appreciate that. I do appreciate that, and and because of that, I think we should move to his book so we can push a couple of them. Hey, by the way, I know the the age difference hits at a certain point. Real quick, before the do you call him Terry? Or do you well, still, that, or is it still Mr. Cox? Because, yeah, because I was a student at Tyler's Grove North. It's very difficult, Terry, for me not to call you Mr. Cox. Yes. You understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, if I saw Pete Ventrilli walking down the street, there's no possible way I would not refer to him as Coach Ventrilli. I'm not kidding you. To the day yeah. I die. It well, would be- see, I don't know. Maybe because you, you probably had a bond with your football coach. So like, yeah. I never had a bond with Teach. But I will tell you, there's a certain age. And you're coming close to it, Big Doug, as you're celebrating your 39th birthday for the eighth consecutive time. Uh, no, just kidding. You are 39, right? Something like that, Coach. Yeah. David Olson, by the way, our producer, uh, Chris Whitting, general manager, the commander-in-chief, already 10 months in advance planning a, a special 40th celebration for you both on air and off. Oh, that's, that's really, I'm more excited about the off-air one, Coach. Yeah. Well, I don't want to give away all the hints, but uh, let me just say there it involves a girl named Pam. So you... You might want to live well this next 10 months. It's better than the last one, the, the girl that was named Terry. 
But there does come a time, uh, Terry, I don't know if you've experienced this, because like, I have seen teachers and actually worked with teachers, and at some point you get over that uncomfortability. It's kind of a weird, it's like a, a transition of sorts where you do go from Mr. or whatever, and then you end up calling them by their first name, Mel or Jim or Tom. But it's a... Uh, Right now, you still feel more comfortable with Mr. Cox. Well, it just, that's what just happened, Coach. I wasn't even thinking. I was just speaking. Okay. So. All right, very good. All right, let's get to the book here. But put it up to the uh, camera, Terry, so we can see here. Where is it here? Where is the camera? Hey, that, that one looks good right there. <laughs> we got it on camera? There we go. All right, now this is cool because I, you know, Big Dog, how I've uh, thought of writing a book many, many times, different topic. Terry, never, long-time teacher, you had never gone into uh, writing books, correct? Uh, no, All right. never. You, you came up with the idea. Describe the uh, process. Again, the book is called Deadly Mistakes, but take us from the very beginning, the idea, and then how you kind of got it off the ground. <laughs> it started with my brother being unemployed. It's always a good start. He works for a consulting firm, and he always has a couple months a year where they have downtime, and he's not working. And this particular year, when the economy was slowing down, he had a longer period. So one day, he calls me laughing hysterically about an obit he'd read. And he said, I'm so bored, I now read the obituaries. <laughs> so he then sent me some. So I started reading the obituaries in the Vegas paper and found some stuff that I was amused by. So we started sending clippings back and forth to each other. And then I don't know if he suggested it or I suggested it one day. I said, we should start keeping this stuff and do a book about it. He said, you know, Americans can laugh at anything, so why can't you laugh at obituaries? Okay. Uh, and that's really how we got started. So for the next three years, we just sent clippings back and forth and kept files. And then we contacted friends we knew around the country, and they would they would send us stuff. Okay. And my so, brother so, travels so, a lot, so every time he would go some uh, on a job, he'd get the local paper and okay. read the obits. So it, step one was was data collection. Data collection. Okay. At yeah. this point, you had not contacted because you knew nothing basically about how to get a book published, correct? No, nothing. All right. So it's all about data publishing. Now uh, head me into stage two where we take the clippings and start to become a, a world, worldly known author. Actually, through a <laughs> friend of ours, okay. uh, I got the stuff to him. He took it to a guy in New York. And the guy said, uh, why don't you start a blog first just to, you know, get, get it out there what you're doing, which we did. Uh, and he suggested with the the nature of the thing, he said it might be easier if you try to. So uh, we actually went to an agent first, a, a local agent in Vegas who I don't think had a lot of contacts. And it was very frustrating trying to get stuff out to publishers because, and I know this from another, a friend of mine who's also writing, uh, a lot of publishers have so cut back that if it's not someone that's an automatic bestseller, they're mm -hmm. just not taking many chances. Yep. So we actually ended up going through a company in Indiana to self-publish and contacted them and then started the process, we had to finalize the book, put it in a book form, send it to them, and then start into the editing changing process. So no money up front from, uh, from the publisher? In other no. Words, oh, no. So no, a bit no, of a no. gamble on you guys. Oh, yeah. Kind of a, a love of the game project. And that was kind of our, our our attitude right from the beginning. We said, this is just a labor of love. We're having fun. If it mm -hmm. doesn't cost us a lot of money, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. So... 
that's really where we how we kind of stumbled into it more than anything. Now, how uh, do you uh, all right? So you go through a self publisher. Now the book gets published. Now, how do you? Did they help you market it? Uh, they sent some stuff out. They've sent they've sent stuff out to uh, uh, a press release. Uh, we've got some uh, some materials, but really, I think what we found is as much as anything, it's when somebody gets a copy, mm-hmm. they start talking about it, and then the America it's, way word it's of mouth. The word of mouth. So we've uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know how many copies they have now, but, but it's out there. Oh yeah, Amazon. it's out there, and they can go through. And they can go through a, 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 their local bookstore and order it. But mm-hmm. uh, I know we've sold quite a few from Amazon so far. Cool, very cool. There yeah. it is, Joel. It's not that hard. Yeah, deadly mistake. So yeah, I was thinking about writing my autobiography back. When I'm really not sure where to start. Going. Oh, I believe me, I could. Uh, there'd be a lot of chapters in that book, and uh, and trust me, it would have definitely have to be self-published. <laughs> and you would need another title. Deadly mistakes would not be good. Actually, you know what? If that title wasn't taken, it could. Be, that's pretty good for Joel. <laughs> I could think of a lot worse titles for your book. I always said if I wrote an autobiography, at first I thought Joel would write the forward, but I was going to do things different. I would have Joel write the backward in my book. Whatever. Right? Yeah, you know, you write the book first, and then Joel could have like the final. I don't know what you. The opposite of the forward. So, well, do you remember the one? The one uh, obituary that your brother sent you or called you about that just made him crack up, that was the impetus to have you guys start switching obituaries back and forth? Yeah, it was about a a girl in Phoenix. She wasn't that old. shouldn't say a girl. She was a woman in her 40s. But her obituary was very, very long, and she seemed to be, in light of what we've just been talking about, obsessed with her accomplishments in high school. Okay. And one of the things she kept referring to was she had been voted student of the month one year. And okay. In, and then very, very late in the obituary, she mentioned that she had climbed Kilimanjaro and Mount Everest. Almost <laughs> as an aside, and I'm going, student of the month was more important to you. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, it just left you shaking your head uh-huh. and, and laughing, of course. Now, but, it could be the person writing it or the people that are mm-hmm. obviously doing the sure. right. Sure. Yeah. Now, Big Dog, as you know, I haven't completed it yet, but I'm writing my own obituary. We talked about this before. Oh. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm putting my own together. It's actually pretty good so far. Well, let's hear what is it. Do you have it? Ready? Right, right with me? I do not. Oh, okay. I do not. we got to tweak it a little bit. I'm hoping uh, after Terry's award-winning book comes out that certainly there's going to be, uh, you know, Deadly Mistakes Volume 2. And I thoroughly um, hope, actually... I'd like to live a bit longer. Maybe volume three I hope to be featured in. Yeah, well, we something that mentions that the fact that you're obsessed with not catching the avian bird flu has to be in there. <laughs> That's huge how for you. How did you know? Uh, well, the fact that you, I mean, you talk about how you haven't got it yet and what a relief it is to yeah. live every day. It's yeah. kind of, it's I hate to tell you, and I swear to you, this is true. I just read in the paper today where don't rest on the avian bird flu because I believe it is coming back. What is it, HV51 or something? But yeah, there, was, there, I, there was something on the paper on it today. Funny, so uh, it. make it's all your jokes if you want. It's coming back at you. Yeah, it's, it's been up and down with that thing, so Coach. You might have you might be back on the the band, what you call it, on the wagon again. Worried yeah. about it. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of ways I want to go. Avian bird flu is definitely not in the top ten. Hopefully that won't be there. But uh, By the way, you, you say you're writing your obituary. Yes, my own. Uh, my brother's now working in Alaska, and a, 
guy he works with has really gotten into the book and is enjoying it. And he then contacted his wife and said, when I die, do not write an obituary for me. I want to, I want to rest in peace. He's afraid we would get a hold of. So interesting. Wow. Interesting. That's, that's good. Like, cause that's a little strange. You know what I mean? My, <laughs> But, you know, one thing is, has anybody ever put in an obituary that you've seen, like, this person died exactly the way they wanted to die? And I'm not talking, like, in their sleep, like, oh, they, they were parachuting, uh, parachute jumping, it didn't open, and they, that's how they wanted to die. Did anybody put anything, like, protest like that in a, a Uh, no. Okay. No. Well, Coach, maybe that's what you can say in your obituary. One of the top ten ways to die, he act, it actually happened for him. <laughs> Like getting hit with a line drive at, yeah. at a baseball game or something like that. Yeah, I'm on my tombstone. I can say number eight finally came through. <laughs> uh, the book again: Deadly Mistakes, Real Obituaries Gone Amusingly Wrong by the Cox Brothers, Terry and his brother Scott. Scott, yes, right. And illustrations by Jean Marie Palerio. We got to give Jean some kudos. Where did you uh, did you meet her? Actually, on uh, Craigslist. Huh? We decided we really needed an illustrator, but we were afraid it would. It might be very, very expensive, so we put an ad on Craigslist, and I could not believe the people that contacted us. Oh, that is a leap of faith, Terry. Anybody who deals anything in in Craigslist, yeah, I mean that is a crapshoot. Oh, That's yeah. The the greatest person you'd ever want to meet, or then you have ninety nine people that will beat on your door for a year begging you for work. I had people from all over the country contact us. I referred them to the website. They then made a cartoon or a, uh, a drawing based on one of the things we had in the website. Okay, a little test. And uh, we had Disney illustrators contact us. Interesting. Man, work must be tough. Uh, exactly, exactly. Interesting. Uh, and we had – and Jean had just graduated from UNLV. She was a history major. She'd never taken any – she had taken some art classes, but her folks wanted her to go to law school. Mm-hmm. And she said she wanted to try art. And got and what a, what a got great, this job with us, and now she's working with a bunch of other people, and they're, they're, she's trying to make it in art. What a great well, thing I, to have on your resume, Big Doug. Drew, uh, you know, uh, lead artist drew pictures for obituary book. That's phenomenal. What's better than being a lawyer? Yeah, I was able to win a case to give VP some extra money and yeah. that whole disaster. You know, trust me, she's much happier drawing pictures. Than <laughs> well, that's what she said. Her <laughs> folks wanted her to go to law school. She didn't, but they were really on her. So. Can you want to check in via the uh, conversation here? We'll get to sports in just a second, folks. Terry Cox in the studio with the big dog here. 888-463-6748. You never know if you call up, you might get a discounted version. Who knows? We might even throw caution to the wind and throw you a couple of free copies of the book. <laughs> 888-463-6748. Autographed, by the way. Autographed copies from uh, soon-to-be award-winning author Terry Cox. How many of these, and I'm going to ask you to relate a couple more humorous ones. I'll put you on the spot a little bit, but... How many of the obits that have some of a humorous edge do you think the people writing the obit purposely tried to make it humorous? And how many, what, like, percentage-wise? I would say we find the humor in the fact that the people aren't writing them to be humorous. Okay. So most of them were... It's people desperately trying to be remembered for something, <laughs> and the mundane becomes monumental. Like student which, of the month. Come which, on. Which is the best kind of humor. At least when nine kids to... a year get student of the month at any high school. So, <laughs> Oh, and P.S., also climb to the top of Kilimanjaro. Yeah, exactly. Did, did we give out student of the month at Downers Grove North? I don't recall. 
I hope not, because I've never even heard of it. I know I was never under consideration, but I don't even know anybody who actually won one. I got, I got issues with that, too. For my kids going through school, the whole student of the month and award ceremonies and... Well, when you get to high school, the homecoming court and the home, you know, the queen and her court and the end of the year award ceremony. From what I've seen, from what I've seen, it's the same kids over and over again. If I'm a teacher giving out the student of the month award, I'm looking for the kid just under the radar who has done something good. Not the kid on the basketball team who's already the vice president of the school and you give that kid the student of the award, you know, in sixth grade and seventh grade and eighth grade. But look for the kid that, you know, that's doing a nice job a little bit under the radar. And I just think some of those, especially in high school, you see like the senior awards and it's the same kids going up over and over again. Well, student of the month to me had such a 50s feel to it. But this woman was only in her 40s, so... I, I don't think we did it at North. I'm pretty sure we didn't. Uh, I think yeah. we've gone way beyond that. Yeah. So, Big Dog, you probably were fairly well decorated back in your high school career. <laughs> decorated? You know, uh, in college <laughs> I was, Coach. You know, I tripled my grade point average from Downers Grove North yeah. to McMurray College. And people, how is that possible? <laughs> yes, I tripled. I had a 3.54 in college and a much lower it's, one in high school. I was going to say, tripling, it sounds very impressive, but... but Inherent in tripling is you got to have a pretty bad score to, to get it tripled up. Well, to make yeah, a sports reference, it sounded like his high school GPA was close to Adam Dunn's batting average. Oh, so. wow. <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was more like Bob Gibson's ERA oh. in, in 1958, so it's, it's not oh. good. Mr. Cox is warming up to the show, Big Dunn. <laughs> if this was a two-hour show, you'd be in big trouble. Uh, you, uh, Terry sent me that something the other day, and I really thought it was going to happen this year where Dunn was going to have less than 100 hits wow. and strike out 200 times, which is unfathomable. But, uh, Ian finally got him out of the batting order. Finally, I don't even know if he left him in the park. Like, after he takes batting practice, they mm-hmm. kick him out. Well, he did. Did he? We, I remember he was near striking out. More than his batting average. So, yeah, he still is that way, and he's going to have to go like 10 for 10 in order to get okay. his batting average above how many strikeouts he has, and he's not going to get the opportunity. So he wait, oh. So you're saying he has more strikeouts than his batting average? Yes, and and wow. the only time it's ever happened in the history of baseball is when somebody hit zero and had like five at-bats. So no for anyone that's batted over, over a couple hundred at-bats, that's, that's the worst record in the history of baseball. He's had the worst season ever, wow. historically ever. There's no – nobody has ever had a worse season than this statistically with more than 150 at best in the history of the game of baseball, and he's got like 500. You know, having said that, as frustrating as it's been to watch, and I guess some of the complaints a little bit lazy in the offseason, maybe didn't work hard enough, but uh, uh, Mr. Cox, Terry Cox, I know as a teacher you always teach kids to you know overcome adversity and to handle you know the tough times with great character and stuff. But Adam Dunn, for the most part – as bad a year as he's had, he hasn't, you know, come out and criticized, hasn't got down, and he still seems to be a decent teammate. I feel free to differ, Big Dog, but I think he's he's handled just abysmal performance about as well as can be expected. Yeah, Alex Rios right now thanks him every single day for how bad he's been. So, <laughs> so that's one teammate that is like, Adam Dunn, thank you very much. Uh, the ultimate backhanded compliment. Well, oh, it was good. in the paper today that, He's closing the season with a rush, and his average is up to 168. Wow. Yeah, he must have got hot recently. Oh, yeah. Seriously. I, I'm trying to build up the guy's character, give him you know, a nice applause, and you guys are firing down. He got a hit out. against a left-hander, so it's film at 11. So. <laughs>
now here, here's University the University of Texas needs a quarterback. Maybe he can go back there, coach. Now we got we got the big question here for Mr. Cox right now. This is when we get down to the nitty gritty here. Still root for the Chicago teams, or are you uh, you know if a UNLV plays the Northwestern right now, who are you rooting for? Uh-oh. I've oh I gotta admit I still pull for the Sox. What do you mean you have to admit? That's good. Well, it also accounts for the fact I have no hair on my head. So <laughs> it's it's, oh, yeah, it's a painful thing to do. I mean, it could be worse. I could be pulling for the Cubs. And but even out in Las Vegas, you've maintained your, your oh, yeah. rooting for the Sox. Yeah. And the Bears and Chicago yeah. team. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Matter of fact, in, in Vegas, they, they just had an article in the paper two weeks ago. All the bars during the football season will, will go with one team. So you'll have a Bear bar and a Patriot bar, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And... There are uh, the two most popular teams out there are the Packers and the Bears. Cool. Yeah, well, so, that, that, that's worldwide, I think, seriously. Yeah. You get that everywhere. I'm a little surprised at the Packers. Coach, I don't know what it is, but that team, Okay. people connect with that. Like, people in the middle of Mississippi, obviously, that's the Brett Favre, so that's not a good. But, like, people that don't have NFL football that are from a small community, they love the idea that a town with 100,000 people in it could have a professional football team. That makes sense. And a good one. Yeah, yeah, they're all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, Tribune today lists the uh, you know the receivers that the Chicago Bears are going to have to stop with the Packers. You know, you got what Randall Cobb, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, like five top quality receivers, and that doesn't even bring in their tight ends. And unlike the Bears, they actually throw the ball to their tight ends. So uh, just reading that, big dog, got me a little scared for Sunday's game. Well, you, you realize that the, the Bears are going to start Matt Forte at four positions this Sunday, Coach. You I, don't be- realize. I believe that's part of the game plan. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. that's really heartwarming. Yeah, one okay. of the writers, by the way, dog, saying that uh, if Martz doesn't change and quick his offensive philosophy, I'm not saying I agree with this. He was saying Mike Tice should take over. In fact, the front page of the sports page has a giant figure of Mike Tice crouched over a midget-like figure of Michael Martz. Well, uh, the whole Randy ratio, 40% of throws to Randy Moss and Mike Tice was there. I guess that would mean that they'd have the Forte ratio, so 95% of the plays would go to Forte. If that, that's the, what they need, they need to just figure something out. One, protect Jay Cutler, and two, figure out how to get the ball to somebody else besides their best player, Matt Forte, so we do have a best player if the Bears do make the playoffs this season. That would be really two nice things to go with uh, for, for a Chicago Bear fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, injuries are going to be a problem, too. Offensive line, Big Dog, I don't know what you suggest there. Again, we'll break it down more on Thursday or Friday, but uh, the offensive line, pretty much back to last year. They're jingling and juggling people because of his uh, really a couple of injuries right now to Carini and Lance Lewis. What they need to do is get uh, get Frank Omaye, because he's going to be starting this week, one of those uh, Mickey Mouse hats and put it on top of his helmet so it looks like he's a matador, mm-hmm. and actually give him a red case to put in his hand. <laughs> I mean, at least blind instead of instead of oh, as he goes past. <laughs> instead of Omaye on the back of his jersey, we'll have less letters. It'll be O L E with an apostrophe. That's beautiful, coach. <laughs> you can get it done. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number. If they don't change it, Jay Cutler might be uh, in Deadly Mistakes Volume Two. You might be reading about a <laughs> Chicago Bear quarterback. <laughs> Who got buried at the 32-yard line? Let's hope that's not true. Would that true. be under kill doing what he loved doing? Yeah, yes. I, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, actually, most famous for being engaged to a reality star, blah 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 blah, was extremely lit. Oh, oh, by the way, quarterback for Chicago Bears. That was the, <laughs> the bottom. Of it. There you go. <laughs> hey, they're back tweeting again. 
They're back tweeting again. Things could be on. The Kristen Cavallari experience might not be over for number, what is color? Number six? Yeah, number six. That guy's been deep six, six feet under. <laughs> uh, I, I am worried about his health, honestly, because uh, what else are the Bears going to do? I'm a diehard Bear yeah. fan. I want him to be healthy. I can't imagine him and Forte playing an entire season this year. So as a Bears fan, I want him to play 19 games, yeah. win the Super Bowl. You I can't what? imagine both of those guys playing 19 games the way the first two have looked so far. Read, read the business section of the newspaper and then the front section and all the stuff we have going on politically, all the uh, terrible things happening around the world, all the crime in Chicago, and then you read the business section, which is even more tragic. Suddenly, big dog. Suddenly, worrying about Jay Cutler's health, not quite so critical. Uh, you couldn't be more right, Coach, yeah. 100%. Thank you very much. Deadly Mistakes, the book, a rare moment in time. Terry, you don't realize this, but very few people come to visit us in studio. So we appreciate your making the trip. So uh, much, much appreciate. How Thank about a couple much. of more? Is there a couple more uh, humorous obits, examples of some of the things in the book? Um, well, I... I, I told you before, I, I it, it just cracked me up. One guy, and it was a very short old bit, you know, born, died, survived by. But uh, under his his only accomplishment, he listed that he had a membership in a health club. <laughs> went, That's great. And a, a woman in Vegas uh, under, we've, we have a chapter called Athletic Awards and Achievements. Uh, <laughs> under her achievements, she was a member of Sam's Club. Well, in Vegas, you go to a casino, you give them your name, you show them an ID, and they give you a card to put in a machine and, yeah. and play. So really to be a member of Sam's Club, all it means is you had a pulse. So Kind of sad if that's their greatest accomplishment. Yeah, and one guy was a parliamentarian of a bowling league. Now that that, now must, have, that must have been a brutal job. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he, had to come, he had to decide disputes between teams where they were. Is that what that basically would mean? I don't know if that had to do with, like, the NFL with socks not being up high enough or – uniforms tucked in or you know then the, the big one i would assume would be the toe over the line call oh the, yeah so well you found out a guy used like a 16 and a half pound ball yeah yeah maybe drug testing that type of stuff like if you're not on drugs as a bowler they and, worry about you and well going back to adam dunn here can you cork a bowling ball i mean <laughs> would that help so i don't know maybe a 16 and softball might help <laughs> yeah. that might help Hey, Big Dog, here's some of the uh, not any individuals' um, accomplishments or organizations that they joined, but here's a list of some of the things that were mentioned in some of the obituaries. Member of the Illinois Trap Shooting Hall of Fame, an inductee. Southwest Caledonian Society, which is the Clan High Coveter. I have no idea what that is. The Christian Dental Society. Ooh, Somebody was measured. A member of the Christian Dental Society. Women of the Moose. Women of the Moose, We yes. hear Men of the Moose. Now, yeah. this, I'd say I'd like to read a book about Women of the Moose. Matter of fact, Big Dog, don't you have a video of that at home, I think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. It, I did. It was stolen. <laughs> One of my buddies took it from me. The National Silver-Haired Congress of Nevada. He was a member of the National Silver-Haired Congress of Nevada. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a starch conservative group to me. Telephone Pioneers of America, the Foundation for North American Wild Sheep. A contributor to, and giver to the Foundation for North American Wild Sheep. Big Dog, if you'd like to... one guy? No. Okay. No, no, no. No, no. These are some just some different ones. 
Yeah, but that's, that's, I mean, if it was one guy, that would have been pretty impressive so far. <laughs> yeah. Yes, especially being in the Women of the Moose. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I may put that in my, you know, I'm writing my, but I'm going to throw that in just to see if anybody catches it. A lot of women mentioned they were members of the Red Hat Society, too, and that's uh, very t- yes. tough to join. You have to buy a red hat. Yeah, So from generations. Mm-hmm. And a yeah. purple top. Mm-hmm. So Now, from, from gathering all this info over three hard years, Terry, have you thought about your own obituary how you'd like it to be does it and even reading the obits does it make you think about your mortality without getting too deeper uh or immortality no not really uh no i i have thought about it i said i would like i would like to purpose uh, do something on purpose to show some humor in it uh in my obit but i suppose pam will have to do the the writing or i'll have to write it before i die i don't I'll, know but i'll talk to pam uh, after the show we may have a few uh may have a few edits that we got to work on i, I should pam. mention you were uh, one woman mentioned that she never pulled the matrimonial trigger but she was survived by four ex-husbands <laughs> and i i thought that was kind of funny too yes. so. <laughs> so maybe she meant she never married for love she only married for money I don't know, but she was the only one that was mentioning that she had a gas problem in her obit, that she passed gas at okay. inopportune moments. So, I thought, in the so that obviously had to be a very good friend if you talk about your friend who just wow. passed with her farting problem. Now, that, so. that had to be humorous, not someone trying to be serious. I, I, hope. I would hope. I would hope. I would hope. Yeah, you know, I will, the coach mentioned it a couple times, Terry. Do people write their own obituary? Uh, we have one in the book. We have a chapter called You Have to Be Kidding. Uh, the obit was almost three <laughs> columns long in a newspaper, and it came out at the end that the guy had written it before he died. Uh-huh. And there is nothing too trivial that he that he overlooked. He listed his favorite composers, his favorite movie stars, uh, his favorite ex-wife. Uh, <laughs> And when he died, he was the assistant manager of a dollar store. So I mean, he was he was a fast paced life that this guy had lived. So. <laughs> he died of stress. Uh, who was the? Uh, there was a actress that passed away. I want to say like six months or a year ago. I don't think Liz Taylor was some. And and she had always kidded about. She was always late, and people would always kid her that she, you know, you'll, you'll be fifteen minutes late to your own funeral. And she had written in. Into her will that, you know, deliver the casket just for the heck of it, 15 minutes after. They literally, <laughs> so she literally is her final act. She was 15 minutes late to her own funeral. Yeah, I, I think that was Elizabeth Taylor. It was. Yeah, I, I think, think it was. Right, Coach. That's, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that's, that's funny. A, that's a nice touch. Uh, one of the strangest things, though, I might add, uh, I do find it very bizarre, and we came across several of these, of people who put obits in the paper for their dogs or cats. Got a lot of those. I even had one where a woman was buried in a pet cemetery because she didn't want to get away from her her children, mm-hmm. as it said in the. You know, my, my first instinct is to kid about that, but you know, pe- people, and I'm not a pet owner currently, but people do get oh. almost, you know, you could even say as attached to a pet as, as they do a. Oh yeah, and the one had little paw prints all around the old bed, so it's. <laughs> they were in mourning. In obituaries, so. the obituary page accepts. It was in the old, hey, if you're, if you're well, willing to pay or whatever, however. Much sure, if you're going to pay money, put a picture of a cat in there. Uh-huh. What the hell? Interesting. So. Yeah, nowadays a newspaper will do anything. They'll take an obit from you, even if you're not dead. Hey, yeah. I want to be able to enjoy my own obituary. No problem, Mr. Redwine. <laughs> that's one thousand dollars. <laughs> sure. 
Yeah. <laughs> Big Dog, have you thought um, when the day does come, hopefully way, way, way down the road, and I won't be reading it for sure, would you like, uh, you know, some people have their picture in there, some it's just a story. Would you like your uh, rather good-looking bald-headed mug in there, and would it be a young yeah. picture or a picture as you currently were? Just uh, just a, a phrase that says general manager of the 2012 World Champion Chicago Cup. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I want in my picture. That's the only phrase I want in it, okay? Uh, Did an asterisk. He was delusional. So <laughs> we, we, we have thrown, we've, we sent Big Dog's name, Joel Radwanski, into uh, owner Tom Ricketts. Ah. We threw Joel's hat in the ring. I, you know what? I'm telling you, at least they would have nine guys who can catch the ball and absolutely. throw it around and make contact in their lineup every day. It's been 102 years. The conventional method hasn't worked. I think it's time to think outside the box. I think uh, a guy like Joel might just be able to turn the corner. See, Mr. Cox is laughing over here, Big Doug. He doesn't buy it. Yeah, I, 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 he needs to listen to the show a little bit more often. So. Well, I just thought 2012 is way too early. Oh, okay. That's true. But doing a better job than the Cubs GM, that yeah. isn't that isn't actually out of the question. Just 2012 is a little too early. No, that's like, you know, Stevie Wonder would be a better DH than Adam Dunn, too. So, I mean, that's not hard. So. <laughs> hey, speaking of baseball, dog, real quick, the wild card race is tightening up a little bit. Tampa Bay. Uh, got knocked off by the Yankees yesterday, five to nothing. But Boston is in full full scale freefall. I mean, they lose again to the dreaded Baltimore Orioles. They've lost 15 out of 20. We're getting out of the nitty gritty. The season ends when? Next Friday? It's not, it, it's uh, it's like Wednesday, isn't it, Coach? Next Wednesday. Yeah, this is a mess. That does, the season doesn't end on Sunday this year because of television matchups for the weekend. All right, so, so we're down how- to what five or six games? Yeah, that's basically what we're down. So it is normally we'd have like three games left or four, but now mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's like it's, some teams have like seven because there's double headers to be made up. Oh, can you imagine playing a double header like the White Sox did last night with no crowd? Mm-hmm. You've already played 152 games. You're you're tired of the whole. As much as you love baseball, it's got to yeah. be a little bit tiring. You know, you've been around it's your tired. teammates for for and you got to play a double header. That's that's got to be painful. That's got to really, really suck. If you make $10 million a year, which at least yeah. 10 White Sox do, that's $60,000 a ball game. Yeah, Coach, they made $120,000 yesterday to play 18 innings of baseball. That sucks. Good point. <laughs> Horrible. Good point. Point yeah. well taken. But the uh, Orioles knock off Boston 7-5. to They got uh, Papelbon came in with two outs in the eighth, gave up a double with the bases loaded. So that's two days in a row now the Red Sox have lost in dramatic fashion. Big Dog, let's and Coach, Coach. Josh Reddick, their their defensive right fielder, dropped a fly ball that cost them two runs. I mean, seriously. And then Papelbon blows it later in the game. You know, you can get beat and be like, you know, this sucks. Let's get our act together, guys. Or you can beat yourself when you're in a free fall. That's a million times worse, Coach. It really is. That's the. I didn't really believe it until now that the Red Sox were in a free fall. Not after they lost yesterday. Now I, they sh- truly should be in panic mode at this point. Uh, you you so might panic. answer my next question, but if we sneak peek ahead, let's say we're doing Thursday's show next week, are we possibly talking about the Tampa Bay Devil Ray a great run making the playoffs as the wild card? If you look, I, I, we all know the Red Sox lineup is significantly better than the Rays, but fielding and pitching-wise, the Rays are blow the Red Sox out of the water. They have five legitimate good Major League Baseball starters, the Rays do. The Red Sox have one, Josh Beckett, who's got dealing with an ankle injury, and he's pitching today. So it's one of those days that this is their their stud ace, the guy that you know they expect to be number one on the mound in the playoffs. Well, he better do one of those 
eight inning, one run, mm-hmm. shut them down type ball games without any drama whatsoever for the Red Sox. They do not need to play a tight one today because they'll start up fighting the bullet again. St. Louis, uh, two and a half back of the Atlanta Braves, who are not quite in the free fall the Boston Red Sox are, but the Braves look like they had it made too, and the St. Louis Cardinals are making a little bit of a push from behind. What do you think? Braves hang on? I think they will. Yeah, Braves, the Braves are going to hang on, the, but at least they're making it a little bit interesting. But, you know, the Braves better start playing some better baseball because they haven't been winning a lot of games. They won 4 nothing yesterday, and uh, the most likely the National League rookie here, Freddie Freeman, went deep again for him. It's his 20th on the season. So I, I do think the Braves save off the, yeah. the, the card. Yeah, I think it was only, what, about three weeks ago, a month ago, where people were saying, you know what, Braves may be a wild card team, but if Philadelphia is not going to win at Atlanta, might be good enough to get to the World Series. Some of that talk has died down a little bit the last couple of weeks. Yeah, now everybody's on the Milwaukee Brewers bandwagon, Coach, thinking they can uh, beat the Phillies. But they could. Mm-hmm. Actually, they could. Hey, help me out here. The Yankees beat Tampa Bay 5 nothing. Ivan Nova. No relation to Villa Nova. Uh, no. Ivan Nova, a pitcher for the – I'm embarrassed to say it. I hold my producer, David Olson, primarily responsible because he's supposed to be feeding me the info. The dude has won 12 12- – Games in a row, he's 16-4 and four on the year. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it right here in front of one of the great authors in the country. I've never heard of Ivan Nova. Hey, coach, sinker baller, a power ball pitcher, sinker Where? baller. At, Six- and you know, the funny thing is I bet his ERA is still above four. But he's 16-4. and four. And his ERA is above four. Got to be above four. Coach. 12 wins in a row. Where well, the Yankees come up with these people? I've, is he a rookie? Well, yeah, yeah, he's a rookie. And he's uh, their new phenom. They decided they could trade Ian Kennedy because they had Ivan Nova, and Ian Kennedy goes out and goes mm-hmm. twenty and four so far with it for the Diamondbacks. Wow! Well, Ivan Nova sixteen and four, but by no means is he like uh, like Clayton Kershaw is is twenty and five, and he's a million times better than Ivan Nova has been this year. I swear to you, the Yankees score eight runs every time this gets pitched. Interesting. So I'm not saying he's bad or anything, but. When you see sixteen and four, you think, "Oh my goodness, this guy must be dominant." And then you watch mm-hmm. him pitch, and you're like. He picked six innings, gave up five runs, and the Yankees won twelve to five. You know that's what that's what that's what never heard of him before. That's, never, that's I had him once. Heard I never so. heard of him, but I had Ivanova once, and uh, the warm weather came, and I put a little Vaseline on it, and it went away. <laughs> and I still like his brother Villa better. But at any rate, uh, a real quick MVP award for the American League: Justin Verlander, Curtis Granderson, Miguel Cabrera, Adrian Gonzalez. You, you big dog, make the call. Uh, and if you're going to name those four and you don't throw in Jacoby Ellsbury and mm. Curtis Granderson, then there really is no discussion. No, 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 I know. I mentioned Curtis Granderson. Oh, you did? Okay, but Jacoby Ellsbury, I think I'll leave him on the outside looking in. Uh, yes. He, I, my vote is Jacoby Ellsbury, by the way, if they get it back. If really? they end up winning, that's who my vote is. The guy's hit Over. 320. He's going to end up with 30 homers. Lead the, lead the American, lead Major League Baseball in runs scored. Interesting. Okay, and he's going to drive in 100 runs from the leadoff spot. Interesting. And he's in 320. Should I remind you of that? I got him ranked number five on my list, but uh, you might have just uh, done a little sales job on me. I will, I'll reconsider for tomorrow, okay? And if they don't make it, if the Red Sox do not make it, uh, then it's between Miguel Cabrera, who's come out of nowhere, just like Albert Pujols in the National League coach. Let's admit it. <clears throat> Albert Pujols right now is in the National League uh, contention, and if the Cardinals do pass the Braves. Pujols should end up getting the National League MVP, and I'm not kidding. Yeah, that helps the second half he's had. If they do. He has been incredible. Matt Kemp, by the way. I know the Dodgers aren't in mm-hmm. it, but, uh, you know, if he got real hot, Big Dog, real hot, he could win the Triple Crown. He's only about 10 points back in batting average. 
Uh-huh. Home runs, I think he's at one or two behind uh, pool mm-hmm. holes and RBIs. He's right near the lead. He's having a phenomenal year. Can a non-contender guy like Matt Kemp, could he win the MVP? If he wanted, I have no problem with the people voting him this year because if, if you put Matt Kemp on the Red Sox this year, he, he would have scored 150 runs. Seriously, I'm not kidding. He's put 150, Coach. The guy, he, nobody ever drives him in. He's on base constantly. There's no, never anybody on base for him. He's a one-man show out there in Los Angeles. He's got no help. So if you really think about how valuable he is to his team, mm-hmm. Matt Kemp, by the way, has had the number one season statistically in all of baseball. Yep. Did Ernie Banks win the MVP on the last place team? Uh, Bank, or Andre Dawson did. Did Banks, too? Uh, I don't know. Banks got the MVP. Ernie Banks got an MVP, and they were close to last yeah. place. I remember yeah, Andre uh, Dawson got it for the Cubs, right. and they were dead last. Yeah. Uh, in 87, when Dawson won it, the Cubs were in sixth place in the National League East last. Okay, When Ernie Banks won back-to-back MVP award in 1957 and 1958, the Cubs were called a second-division team back then, and they finished in seventh place both times in an 18 National League. So yeah, it's, if you're a Cub, you have a good chance of winning on the last-place team. But I don't know if Matt <laughs> Kemp will this year. But, I mean, statistically, his season is just mind-boggling. He's a... A uh, high 30-30 guy, and he's hitting 325 and is a gold glove center fielder. One final note, Big Dog. Give me about 15 seconds. The very exciting start of the NHL season. Believe it or not, the Chicago Blackhawks played their first exhibition game yesterday. And credit, Union Arena up in Saskatchewan, Canada. Edmonton, the Oilers knock off the Hawks 4-2 to two exhibition hockey. You think it's is it too early to panic for Blackhawk fans? Oh, they lost <laughs> last night? <laughs> Oh, As a goodness. fan, I feel uh, I feel very very upset that I wasn't there to, to boo them on well, for losing an exhibition game. I'm sure you, you know, were not too early to panic yet, Coach. You were there up in spirit in Saskatchewan. I'm sure. Yeah, let's let's start the panic in in April. How about that? Nah, eh, I like to, I like to panic early. It's much more fun. All right, uh, fine. Uh, again, the book is called Deadly Mistakes. In Terry, it is available. People are interested in purchasing it. Yes. Yep. Where might they get it? You you can go on the uh, Author House website. You go to Amazon. You can go to any of your local bookstores and order it through them. Beautiful. Written again by Terry Cox and his brother Scott. Your first venture into authorship, so we got to get people to purchase it. Very enjoyable read. And again, don't take this the wrong way. This is one of these books, big dog. You could um, you could take into the bathroom with you. Yeah, I, I, it's yeah, an easy read. That's what I said to, to Terry. I said, no, Jack, over this. Yeah, I said, please don't take offense, but this, the whole thing is going to be read, and it's going to be read in the abode in my <laughs> No, this is not a coffee table book. This is a, this is a John book. Yeah, or, <laughs> or uh, you know, if you're on vacation, nice. It's an, it's an easy read. You can read a couple pages. That's, at a time. I, I read it on the way to New York, Coach. Is there an that's, index in this thing? Yes, that, that's exactly when I was on the way to New York. That's when I was reading the book, so it was pretty funny. Beautiful. Plus, I didn't see any uh, plane crash obituaries, or else that would have freaked me out. Oh, yeah, that, that, that would not be good. No, no, Timmy, we really do appreciate you coming in studio, even though I wasn't there. But I, since you've come all the way to Morton Grove, I want to let you know there's a couple cities in the world. Hong Kong, London, New York, some of the most diverse communities in the world. You're in the most diverse community. So <laughs> you've got Korean barbecue. You can get a Russian salad. Whatever you need, you can find it in Morton Grove. I'm not kidding. No matter what ethnicity, it's there in Morton Grove for you to have a, a meal, and it'll be absolutely delicious. So just let us know when you're off there what you need. The following has been brought to you by the Morton Grove Bureau of Tourism. <laughs> I didn't know you were on the payroll, Big Dog, but well said. 
Awesome. It is. I'm not getting you whatever you want. It's like the greatest melting pot in all of yeah. the Chicago area, Morton Grove. Yeah, they opened up a brand new, David, have you been there on the corner, the seafood place, Crawdaddy or whatever it's called? You know what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been a, like okay. 10 different sports bars. Yeah, and, and now it's a Cajun seafood place. Right. Yeah, Cajun. But I'm a longtime jambalaya fan. I got. I've been in search of a good jambalaya, so I may have to uh, investigate. Yeah, and I've always Terry had a thing with with clam chowder, where maybe in Vegas you can find the the Manhattan clam chowder, the red, but around here it is all Boston clam chowder, the creamy. Me and creamy do not get along. I love Manhattan clam chowder. Nobody will give you the red clam chowder. It's a hard one to find. In Vegas, too, huh? Yep. All right. All right. So if me and Joel come to Vegas, we might, uh, if the hotels are too expensive, we might call you and Pam up. No problem. Okay. No problem. Is Pam a good we, cook? We, ha- we have a lot of floor, a lot of floors to sleep on. Is so. Pam a good cook? Oh, excellent. Beautiful. Legendary. <laughs> All right. Well, I eat legendary. All right. Beautiful. Terry, thanks again, and best of luck with that. Thank ball. you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Big Dog, we'll uh, start getting in heavy into football. I'm counting on you to figure out a way. And Mike Tice, Mark, Mike Marsh, they listen to this show on occasion. Uh, you know, tomorrow, you got to give us three or four ways that the Bears can dissect a Green Bay Packer team, okay? Well, if they're going to dissect the Green Bay Packer team, something called well, lighting up the scoreboard sh- is going to be involved in it. That's, that's a tease for tomorrow. Don't give away all of our secrets. Okay. Uh, ha- have a good day out in the kayak. My kids will be there about 1 o'clock. So why don't you come on out, Coach? Oh. We have a tour at 6 o'clock today. I'd love to. Are you going to be there? Probably not. <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow, dog. Later. <laughs> for the TalkZone.com, two guys at a mic show, the coach, Author Terry Cox's wife, Pat Big Dog. Thank you much for listening. David Olson on the other side of the glass. Great job as per always. We'll be back 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Don't be late. Have a great day.